hunter from Mars, his world, and the vile menagerie of villains he must confront. In 2007, Warner Brothers were hot to produce a Justice League movie. There was a screenplay by Kieran and Michelle Mulroney, who had done the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes sequel, A Game of Shadows, as well as Paper Man, which was another superhero movie featuring Ryan Reynolds, but more low-key and independent. Before the end of the year, director George Miller was attached to the film. He, of course, did the Mad Max film series, including this year's Fury Road, as well as The Witch of Eastwick, and to show his variety, Two Happy Feet movies, and Babe of Pig in the City. At one point, motion capture technology was considered for the pricey prospect of a feature film involving so many powerful metahumans, but ultimately it was decided to stick with traditional live action at a budget of $220 million. The movie went into pre-production around the time the Writers Guild of America went on strike, and was halted when changes to the tax breaks once offered by production host country Australia would have shot the film's price tag much higher than expected. Despite the involvement of Weta in pre-production, fans seemed to vocally turn on the project based on discomfort with the director, unofficially leaked casting selections, and a general sense of the project being a rushed mercenary venture. The planned summer 2009 release date was quietly scrapped indefinitely, as revealed by occasional slips in the media by involved parties. My understanding of the plot was that it was much like the popular storyline Tower of Babel, which also served very loosely as the basis for the directed DVD animated film Justice League Doom. This time, Maxwell Lord, played by Jay Baruchel, and Talia Al Ghul, played by Teresa Palmer, would have been the ones who stole Batman's digital cataloging of his teammates' weaknesses from a secret satellite Shades of Brother Eye. If the poster blurb didn't include the words, Lord knows, what a waste that would have been. Lord would have then sent nanobytes to exploit these weaknesses. So I guess this would have been something of a mashup with the OMAC project. There were conflicting reports of the tone of the movie, with some saying the concept, art, and script lent itself to a grimly violent epic, while others dismissed it as fluffy family fare. Off the record, it was reported that DJ Catrona, who played Flint in the G.I. Joe Retaliation movie, was to play Superman. Army Hammer, despite not having the name of an actual human being, would have played Batman. He's, of course, best known for playing twins in The Social Network, and he was the star of The Lone Ranger, Big Bomb for Disney. Megan Gale was Wonder Woman, despite her main career being modeling and bearing a rather anorexic IMDb page. She was recently featured as Valkyrie in the Mad Max sequel, Fury Road. And I do have to say that while she doesn't have a big part there, she does have a physicality and a presence that's more reminiscent of Wonder Woman than what I've seen of Gal Gadot. Green Lantern John Stewart would have been played by the actor and rapper Common, who recently won an Academy Award for his work on the soundtrack to the movie Selma. He was also featured on the AMC television western Hell on Wheels and turned up in the movie Wanted. More recently, he's been cast in the Suicide Squad movie, most speculating as Black Manta. Adam Brody, best known for The O.C. and Gilmore Girls, would have played The Flash. Santiago Cabrera, of Heroes fame, was perhaps to appear as a cameo as Aquaman, while character actor Hugh Keyes Byrne was to be the Manhunter from Mars. Recognizing the validity of the Marvel Studios' approach, Warner Brothers shifted gears from trying to spin multiple franchises out of one precarious JLA movie and instead used solo features to build poor Justice League. The previous Superman reboot and the lackluster returns on the Green Lantern movie didn't help this premise. There are countless superhero movies that made it to the script stage, that had a director or some stars attached, and then they went off and disappeared. Justice League Mortal was different in that this movie was happening. Barring a perfect storm of adversity, the film would have happened. Actors like Common were actually in Australia in full costume, working out their characters. Recently, a documentary crew has started work on pulling together a film about this, and they've come up with all sorts of production designs. There's actually a mask that was produced for John Jones that can be seen on the internet now. So more than most of these films, it's easy to imagine what could have been. 
to be honest, I see more potential in Justly Mortal than I currently do for uh, Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Though I could be mistaken, I would love to be proven wrong. But it doesn't appear like I'll get a Martian Manhunter in that film or any of the other movies to come, the ones that have been announced anyway. So Hugh Keysburn could have been the first cinematic Martian Manhunter. Oddly, though, he would have echoed the first ever live action Martian Manhunter actor, David Ogden Stiers, as a fellow who is too old and quite a bit too portly for the role. It's funny because I saw him in Fury Road playing Immortan Joe wearing this plastic piece that gave him fake abs, though he was still clearly quite a big fellow. And he's got the Australian accent, which could have been kind of neat for John Jones. But as with David Ogden Stiers in the failed CBS Justice League pilot, it would have been pretty hard to disguise this is an old fat guy. Although the latex mask that has popped up on the internet does show how they would have done their best to conceal that, make it look more like it was muscle. But I still feel like Martian Manhunter is an obvious choice to cast outside of white males. So I'm not sorry that the future may still have that in the offering. Also, unlike much of the internet, I wasn't super impressed with Fury Road. It was an all right, disposable action movie. Fun for a single viewing. Not something I'd be in a rush to return to again. So I'd expect a lot more from a Justice League film. I still expect a lot more from a Justice League film. So maybe things turned out the way that they needed to. Your ego betrays you. Will you not listen to reason? This won't end well for you. Of episode 10, the top 10 most important Martian Manhunter villains, Mark Sweeney wrote, Your blog role intro cracked me up. Never thought I'd hear my blog title read in the style of a macho man. Very informative podcast. MM has a deeper roast gallery than I ever would have thought. Good stuff. Mark Sweeney runs the blog, I'm the Gun, which tends to focus on DC Comics' World War II era heroes, some of the more obscure ones like Balloon Buster and Unknown Soldier. But most recently, he did a post on Chain of the She-Devil, which if you listen to the Marvel Super Heroes podcast, fits very nicely into hashtag Frank's agenda. You got my stamp of approval there. And wrote, I was one of those who thought Despero might be a little higher on the list. Maybe I am swayed by the amount of coverage he has had here. I'm convinced Blanks is going to be the commander of the Supergirl show, so at some point I might need to pick your brain about this character. Can I get an honorable mention for Mongol? I consider Mongol to be a genre villain, given the history of that character in DC Comics Presents. I know he has morphed into a Superman foe, but I like the idea of Mongol and Jean having backstory. I do too. DC Comics obviously doesn't, and that's why I've basically given up the ghost on Mongol ever having any sort of major conflict with the Marshman ever again. But I still get a kick out of seeing him turn up in these family dollar, dollar books of Supermans that are custom cut. And it's just weird seeing guys like Mongol and Imperiax in a family dollar. I still got love for Mongol. I just don't know that he really fits in the rogues gallery anymore. I want to thank folks on the social medias, particularly Twitter, for helping to promote the show through retweets and favorites. These folks include Ange, the Anti-Fascist, Between the Pages, Bob at RJ Holmes 123, Bronze Age Babies, Charlton Hero, Count Druncula, Danio Santiago, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, Ed Moore at Indie Comics Fan and at Teal Productions, Inigo Montoya at Urban Fantasist, Eternal Rage, Fantastiverse, Flotospan, Guano Man, Illegal Machine, Jacob Edwards at Man Punch It, Keith G. Baker, Cord Industries, Kyle Benning, Longbox Graveyard, Luke Dobb, Mark Sweeney, Martin Gray, Marty Light, Mythmaking Etc., Nicholas Cormier, Odyssey Unleashed Podcast, Oscar Olalde, Patty Webb, 
and the penultimate Randy Micah Smith. Podcast listeners should feel free to leave a comment on one of our blogs, either the Umbrella Rolled Spine Podcasts or the specific Idle Head of Diablo blog. Both are available quite easily through Google searches. You can also shoot me a tweet at Commander Blanks. That's B-L-A-N-X. Thank you for listening.